Greetings, Maltopians. Are you looking to delve deeper into the world of Maltopia? Then check out our Patreon, where you can find written mythos pieces, world maps, found footage, art, Patreon-exclusive shows, and more. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Maltopia and join one of our tiers for access to great new content. Brave the forbidden and embrace the darkness. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The memory of my father ended, renewing my strength. I seized a dismal spirit of the spire, prying back its jaws, denying the last of my energy for its own. I would have to make do with what I surrendered. Realizing that I would feed it no more, willingly or otherwise, the incarnate melancholy withdrew, begrudgingly dripping my stolen sadness as it went slamming a thousand doors behind it. I was alone upon the moldering, cracked floor, the undesired memory of sacrificial flesh, my only companion, playing across my tongue, passing into the doubtful myth of myself. What had Mother done to me? To all of us? Somewhere, a song began playing. A soothing box of musical notes cranking colored sound into the stale air. There was an instant connection with me, music and memory holding hands. Yet it was a recollection without recognition. The house was trying to come back to some semblance of life, my misery bloating its arteries. It was a kind of gratitude, 
I suppose, an ode to one man's saving failures. The desperate dying dream was an indebted thing now, wanting to repay me for my troubles. It was leading me to a room, my room, made especially for, or perhaps from, me. I rose and made my way past countless derelict apartments, corpses of living spaces. There were entire lifetimes heaped into the dirty corners, abandoned dreams without dreamers. At last I came upon a room with its door ajar, music seeping through, luring me. My next few thoughts seemed trapped by the subdued harmony, flies caught within a web spun from silken sound. I realized that the composition of notes was scored from my own life. My very soul made music, playing through my mind's eye. It was a somber piece, though not without its share of uplifting notes. But most curious was the theme that played in the sonic underground, far beneath the passing movements, a submerged peal of deepest staccato, wavering and waiting. It somehow had both the quality of a stringed instrument and a vastly percussive creature. The sound stirred beneath the sonic interpretation of my life, occasionally revealed in the depth of a trumpet or cello, even the deep blast of a tuba, but mostly it lived in the drums, sounding out the heartbeat of something hidden and terrible. I gently opened the door the rest of the way, eager and curious for fresh revelations. Though, to be honest, I was well over my respective limit for fresh revelation. The room seemed far older than what a modern apartment could ever hope to address. I was to dwell here, to the sound of my failed life, basking in the grey glow of desperate immortality, to pace a dirty floor and stare from a single dirty window, in slowest turns of wonder and despair. It was a pleasant enough gift, to be sure and one I wanted to make no immediate show of rejecting. I didn't want to ruin a friendship. My time in the room was indeterminate, as was only proper within a dream. I did as I would, drowsing in pale rooms covered in a kind of merger of dust and shadow, a soft alliance of two substances barely distinct even within the firmest of worlds. I did indeed stare from the soiled window, glimpsing strange sights, Occasional leviathans of some sort lurched the opaque distance, restless and monstrous. There were also the sounds of ceaseless sadness embodied within their own dour melodies, cobbled from suicide thoughts and disappointed expectations. This place was the end of all meaningful hope, a morose equilibria for the failed and miserable where one could fade away quietly and perceptibly. Despite all that, there was indeed beauty in the bleakness, however small, the dull poetry of common failure, the ceaseless drone of ordinary silence, the wan, sickly glow of dying. It was its own art gallery, a perfected habitat for the grayest pieces, and it was in no need of improvement save perhaps for its inability to sustain itself, which almost seemed a necessary component for a properly ironic existence. And yet something seemed to linger, undiscovered and out of place. A purpose. I searched not only the room, but portions of the complex itself, an endless wonderland of misery and waste. 
and while I glimpsed more than was healthy for a sober mind, I did not alight upon anything slightly resembling a meaningful thing, unspent of its ominous burden. When I appeared before a great iron door, distinct for its possession of an apparent function beyond reflecting fruitlessness, I thought my quest nearing completion. My father had grown sorely bored of our stay in the apartment complex, so I thought to enliven his spirits by allowing him to cleave through the door. It might have opened on its own, as I spied no lock, but my father was in dire need of his own purpose. The entrance was no match for him, as its remains tumbled like dull broken glass down the narrow stairwell that sank into blackened oblivion. There was no sound and no darkness, just a sort of hallway-shaped absence. But the more I studied the void, the more I realized its nothingness, a product of my own, apparently unconscious desire not to see it for what it was. Also, my apartment's ancientness had either followed me from my room or had slipped itself from the void, as a profound expanse of time opened up upon me, a second stairwell, every step an epoch removed from me, unfurling, leading down. Eventually, after some very bemused theorizing as to cause, I heard a sound. Drums. They were indistinct at first, but gradually increasing. They came from beyond infinite distances I could only faintly detect. It was the hidden staccato of my private song, stretching out into the clearest notes I'd yet to hear. And still it slept, coiled, and waiting. Before I could attempt to total the slivers of clarity I'd been provided, the void swept me from the stairwell, and then some. I was all but lost to the crashing waves of waking when something spoke to me, whispered perhaps from sleep. It said, and still there shall be hope. Into the crush again. Memories and dreams and pain and loss and love. A confusion of waking and dreaming and remembering. The precise state that had been overthrown in favor of an enduring order to things, now only the occasional and wholly unstable nexus for the hidden and secret. I was caught in the pull of a thousand currents, red games and scheming mothers and dead families, old and new. It was almost pleasantly too much for me to bear, but revelation was not yet through with me. For when I opened my eyes, it seemed as if dreams had yet again invaded the earth. While I was reasonably certain I had awoken below the city of Willard, within the strange device Dr. Colglow had placed me within, there was a strange overlap with the previous and wonderful dream. I seemed to occupy a bizarre hybrid of the Willard reality and the Skin Swapper's nightmare. While the room was of its previous size and shape, it had been filled with the skinned bodies of white wigs, all of them made to appear dancing around the most bizarre and unintelligible shape, a shape slightly intimated from the negative space outlined by the sewn-together skins of the denuded toeheads. No doubt, this was the symbol for the insanity the lunatics were beholden to, forever orbiting a thing barely hinted at even by the sum of their many stolen skins. It was majestic. I even felt a pang of jealousy. Here was some of the finest art I'd ever had the pleasure of witnessing. At the cost of appearing braggadocious, it was certainly worthy of standing alongside any of my own pieces. It even seemed like something I would create. 
Unfortunately, as is the case within the solid world, there was a good reason for the similarity. A voice from the shadows, husky and proud, came at me from the back of the room. I can tell you approve of my work. Or is it our work? It was Mr. Hyde, but that was the least of my realizations. The pain that came out of the dream with me had not subsided, but in fact had been augmented. The pale light of the room revealed me, affording the deepest look at myself I'd ever been given. I had been removed of my skin. The Mailtopia team wanted to share some big news with you. First, we wanted to announce the release of our narrations on our Mailtopia YouTube channel. Featuring original animated artwork and several higher quality re-recordings, the Mailtopia YouTube channel is a new way for people to listen to our weekly narrations, from the Shepherd of Wolves story to various short stories and mythos pieces. Starting in the near future, we'll also be featuring exclusive content you won't be able to hear anywhere else. So for all those who enjoy podcast-style narrations and the YouTube platform, be sure to follow the link in the description and subscribe to the new Mailtopia YouTube channel. Second, Mailtopia is proud to announce Book 1 of the Red Family Trilogy, The Red Sun, by Mark Anselm. Published by Wild Blue Press, Kindle pre-orders are available now at a limited time price. Just go into the show notes and click on the Amazon link and it will bring you directly to the pre-order page. As always, Mark, Steve, Walker, and the rest of the Meltopia team, thank you for your continued support. Mr. Hyde continued with his soliloquy, as I was without lips with which to properly converse. I assume it is only by the good graces of that feral red dream that you still live, just as I'd hoped you would. You see, it seems you've left me with a bit of a problem. Prior to our interruption, you had me dead to rights. Defeated. Now, if I'm the chosen one to right the world, to replace the lost skins, how is it that you could defeat me? Don't answer. Allow me. It's because I was not in my right skin, after all. Here I was, misattired the whole time, just waiting for my own lost skin to be returned to me. And here we are, appropriately dressed for our last and rightful, or is it fateful, contest. But unlike what you presumed during our first encounter, you're a perfect fit. Mr. Hyde stepped into the wane light, wearing my skin. There were precious few things, I must sadly confess, which could truly surprise me. This was such a thing. He was a grisly sight, a collage of raw red skin atop glistening exposed muscle. My contorted face was sewn into the meat of his cheeks and forehead. My ample beard bristled and tangled into the flaps of his sewn-on chin, yellowing globs of blood-streaked fat weighing them down, folding them over. My mane of hair fell like tousled darkness across his back, framing a most wonderful piece of art. If not the antithesis of the nature of dead world art, it had survived its creation. Here was not the corpse of a dream, but its living, breathing body.
Not even the pain of having been undressed of all my flesh could diminish my admiration for what stood before me. But as it turned out, I was wrong. I hadn't been left entirely nude. I put my hands to my face, realizing something had been sewn atop it. Hyde's own face. He had altered the very reality of our first encounter, reversing our roles, perhaps even our respective fates. My head throbbed with the question, what if he was right? What if I was only the means to Hyde's end? He was living art. What was I next to that? Then, a deciding moment. Hyde moved to gather my father into his hand. I would let him choose. My father would know best. The grotesque doppelganger hefted the axe with ease. His, my face, unfazed for the contact. His next words were not his own, and dipped in purest hell. You cried for me? You pitied me? For that, you will pay well. It was my father's voice. It seemed my epiphanies of the last hours were not entirely my own to know, but had been shared with the shadows of my soul. And one shadow in particular was not happy for the knowledge. Father now realized I had cried for him. And now he was in a body, though a bit small for him, to exact a price for my transgression. In keeping with our switched identities, I had been equipped with Mr. Hyde's knives, which I raised in a doomed attempt to deflect my inbound father. The axe batted aside the blades with ease, sinking into my shoulder. The pain was explosive, riding down exposed nerves already buzzing like live wires filled with electric agony. This turn of events after so much unwanted, unfiltered knowledge was almost too much for me to endure, and all coupled with the fact that my soul was only a few bloody layers from tumbling completely out of my body. I tried to roll with the attack, to deny the axe a fatal depth, but my father descended at his leisure, going where he would, snapping and splitting skin, cartilage, and bone, but minding my more vital areas. This, it seemed, would be a lesson I wouldn't soon forget but one I might walk away from. Perhaps sensing my father's non-lethal intention, Hyde threw him away, clanking down into the ample blood of dead wigs, smoke hissing from his killing edge. Hyde no meant to tear me apart with his bare hands, which had been skillfully gloved in my own. I even think Janice might have approved of that detail. Despite the red dream plying me with my share of unreality, I was still nearing the end of my respective tether. I had lost so much blood along with my skin, and my mind was already piled three times its weight in painful recollection. Not to mention the artist in me could barely see the artist for the gallery. So much wonder and beauty, it was nearly paralyzing. Hyde applied little thought to his attack, likely due to my severely compromised state. I couldn't blame him for that but my weakened state differed largely from the depleted conditions suffered by lesser artists. He shouldn't have confused the two. When at last his hands were around my neck, hoisting me from the earth, my own hands were busy prying up the lower portions of his ribcage. A clear red line of sutures secured my skin to his, and they strained and popped as I peeled my flesh from their moorings. Where the stitching was once merely shallow pockmarks along Hyde's abdomen, 
there were now gaping flesh wounds, rivulets of blood pouring from their lengthy tracks. It took only a moment for me to force my questing hands inside his body, finding the edges of his ribs. Hyde, either to his credit or foolishness, paid no heed to my burrowing hands and continued to lift me, my grip upon his bones supplying enough counterforce to disallow my placement above his head. It was then only a matter of placing my boot upon his chest, using him for the necessary leverage and pulling backwards with all my might, ribcage in hand. His bones came away like roots pulled from the dirt, with the colorful exception of all that red spillage and the wet snapping sounds. Hyde released me, roaring more from indignation than pain, it seemed. I rose back to my feet and held out my prizes. I filtered my speech through the paradoxical powers of the Red Dream, allowing my lipless words to be understood. You took so much from me, yet left me only with your face. So I decided to take something more from you to balance the scales. It was now Hyde's turn to lean upon the Red Dream, as his wounds would have proven fatal otherwise. I continued to cast words at him through the bleeding vision we shared. We could be brothers, you and I. Twins, even. And now, having established such a connection, you know how I use the bones of my family? Yes. I lunged forward, placing the mass of broken ribs in my hands back into Hyde's chest. Once they had achieved the proper depth, I used the makeshift handles to lift my howling opponent from the ground. It was a long walk to Hyde's art exhibit, but I'd always enjoyed brisk strolls through the underground, especially in such wonderful company. Hyde's violent protests came to a sudden stop when I slammed his body down atop a large steel shaft anchoring one end of the canopy of skins. His grip upon the Red Dream was fading, his swan song near completion. With one last effort, Hyde clawed out at me. I allowed his hand to close over his lost face, reclaiming it, and with it, the fate he attempted to impart me. I looked down almost shamefully before meeting the eyes of the Skinner. I would have enjoyed nothing more than spiting such a creature as fate, I whispered. A mindless brute rusted into ancient habits. But if it should occasionally align with my needs, I must wish it well. Hyde's eyes had shed their fury. The face he'd stolen from me, placid and near blank. I'd like to think that I bring all of you with me, I continued. Our mighty pack of wolves, ever growing, preparing for the final battle. He only looked up at me and smiled with my lips, murmuring, I like that, too. I watched the great skin switch's fire sink into the ashes of his dark eyes, and I reckoned yet another awful deed performed in the service of the shepherd's terrible game. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 